Good morning, and welcome to Kempsville Presbyterian Church online. We trust that you'll receive a blessing as we study the Word together and as I share a few thoughts and some of my experiences with you today. In my sermon entitled, The Sound of Doors, let's begin with a prayer. Almighty God, you are the sovereign. You are the one who calls us into your service in Christ, which means that you're the boss and we do what you say. And if we're doing what you tell us to do, then you gladly take on the responsibility of assigning us our jobs and providing us with all that we need to do them. Teach us how to listen and hear your voice as we serve Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Page one, the sound of doors. Well, it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, but, you know, that didn't seem to bother God one bit. There are many important milestones in the life of a child. You know, first birthday, first day of school, driver's license, first speeding ticket, senior prom. Few are as momentous as choosing what to do with one's life. During the senior year of high school, a child has to decide what comes next. And up till then, usually there aren't that many pivotal decisions. You know, kids kind of go with the flow of the rhythms of school and parental choices. But now the familiar rhythms end and choices must be made. You know, get a job, trade school, a college, and if college, what major? Which school offers the best grounding for this major or that career? Maybe the only life decision that might be more important is who am I going to marry? Now, I had been making my decisions in what for me was a very timely fashion. I was an active and completely overextended teenager, had my fingers in way too many pies. Besides the usual extracurricular commitments, I was also out evenings doing street witnessing. My role models were spiritually on-fire Presbyterian laypersons, saints disguised as woodland resource managers, civil engineers, insurance agents, and school teachers. And that was what I wanted to do, that is, be an active and engaged layman in the church. I firmly believed, and largely still believe, that an active layperson can be far more effective uh, as a witness for Christ 
than clergy. You see, clergy are considered professionally religious, and people don't listen to what we say with the same curiosity and surprise as when they hear an ordinary person, so to speak, that is someone like me, talk about a living and life-changing Jesus. Uh, since I would need a paycheck, it's useful, and I enjoy doing art, I just figured I would become a commercial graphic artist. And at that time, the best school in Florida for commercial graphic art was the University of South Florida in Tampa. So my course was set, or so I thought. As my senior year began, dozens of letters from colleges poured in. I'd done fairly well on those big multiple-choice uh, tests that everybody has to take. So I got a lot of invitations. You know, apply here. Oddly, as I went through all the letters that came in, there was no letter from the University of South Florida. So I called. I was told, oh, that was an oversight. And so they sent one in the mail. And when it arrived, it turned out to be one of the last ones I received. It was a nice cover letter saying application enclosed. And I looked and it wasn't enclosed. I called the registrar. Ah, another oversight, she said. And it took a couple of weeks for the application to arrive. By this time, it was, oh, probably a, at least a month later than all the other letters had come in. So I started to fill out the forms. And then I found a page was missing. I called again, oversight, waited again. It finally arrived. But in the meantime, I went to see the photographer to make a picture. In those days, they wanted a picture with the application. He took a set of pictures and told me they would be available to be picked up in, oh, about 10 days. When I returned to check on them, he was very apologetic. You know, there had been problems with the developer, and he would have to reshoot the photos. And so it went, one thing after another for four solid months. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I have learned that if you really want to do the will of God, if you want to do what God wants you to do, then God will make sure that you do. He will sovereignly open and close doors to move you to the place you need to be. You can struggle against it, but I'll tell you, eventually you will end up where he wants you. Too often, 
you and I make the mistake of, of instead of putting our trust in God, we put our trust in our trust. We have faith in our faith. Uh, That's not going to work. It's all about God and the will of God. So when doors start closing, it's so much better to just relax, trust, and roll with it. If God wants a door to open up again, he'll open it up in his time. He's the boss, and you and I are the flunky, and that's okay. But at the time, I didn't understand that. And I did not yet recognize the sound of closing doors. Page two, when God clears his throat. By the first Saturday of February, this is very late for applying to college. The application was complete at last, uh, almost. There was one form left to fill out, just one, a page long, and it was like pulling teeth. I just couldn't make myself fill out this form. and I, I couldn't figure out why it was so difficult. I mean, how hard can it be to write your name, your address, and stuff like that one more time? But it was like I was paralyzed, you know, signer's block, let's call it, instead of writer's block. I didn't know what to do. While my mother was sewing in the adjacent dining room, I stood there in the middle of the family room, completely befuddled. And just then, over the clack, 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 clack of that sewing machine, I heard a voice. The voice. I knew immediately who it was. When God speaks, it's not loud or overwhelming. You're surprised. He always will take you by surprise. But I was not frightened. You're perfectly aware it's not an audible voice, at least not audible to anybody else but you. But that does not make it any less real It's more real than anything else around you. Your surroundings, with all their distractions, they fade into an, at most, vaguely discernible white noise as all of your awareness focuses upon that voice. The voice is calm, firm, and purposeful, without harshness or anger, and often gently bemused. But it has an unmistakable authority. Something inside of you snaps to attention. And the voice asked, Well, Williams, have you prayed about this? Well, uh, 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 of course, um, I had not. It had never occurred to me to ask God what I should do with my life. I mean, it was 
It was my life, and I was going to do all of this for God. You'd think he would have been grateful for it, right? But it never, I never wondered whether he even wanted me to do it. So I bowed my head to pray. And right then, I didn't get a chance to say anything when the voice spoke again. Williams, what do you think you're doing? As an aside, at this point, it's been my experiences that whenever I needed comfort and reassurance, God has very gently called me by my first name, Benjamin. When he calls me by my last name, that usually means I'm in trouble. But that might just be me. I started to explain to God what God already knew. You know, that I figured I'd go to this school to study that in order to do thus and so with my life to serve him. And the voice interrupted me. No, that's not what you're going to do. Well, at this, I got a little bit, as we say in the South, I got a little uppity. And I snapped back with a little bit of mental sarcasm. Well, what am I going to do then, huh? Unruffled, the voice calmly answered, you are going to go to Stetson University and be a religion major. Now, I was puzzled. When I heard that, and I said, but there's nothing I can do with that but be a minister. With characteristically firm assertiveness, the voice concluded, exactly. Page three, the lamp still burns. The story of the call of Samuel is rich in evocative details and humor. Samuel, a young boy entrusted to lifelong service in the temple at Shiloh, is sleeping near the Ark of the Covenant. Let's look at that story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, 
I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end, for I've told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. May God bless to us this reading. Thanks be to God. God called Samuel's name, but Samuel does not recognize his voice. And assuming it must have been Eli, because he doesn't see anyone else around, he hurries to the old blind priest to help him. No, he did not call, and Eli sends him back to bed. It happens again, and then by the third time, Eli suspects what's actually going on and tells Samuel what to do. And sure enough, God calls again and gives Samuel a harsh message for for his mentor. Curiously, God does not tell him he's going to be a prophet. He simply gives him a prophecy to pass on to the priest. And from that moment on, Samuel is the prophet of God for Israel. And the story is full of evocative details. The word was rare, and visions were few. Eli's 
eyes had grown dim, but the lamp of God had not yet gone out. These are not merely little novelistic touches to provide color, but they're, they're figurative, spiritual observations that interpret what is happening in this story. Eli, the faithful priest of the old establishment, cannot see anymore, both physically or spiritually. He has a blind spot. He's had it for a long time, tolerating intolerable behavior from his disreputable sons who are supposed to succeed him. But though Eli might not be able to see it shining anymore, the lamp of God has not gone out. The light shines. The truth is out there. The word may be rare, but it is not silenced for good. And out of the darkness, God calls a replacement, a youth who doesn't even know it's God talking to him. Samuel must go to Eli and declare the end of the old order, and in doing so, he also signals the beginning of a new order. When Samuel rises in the morning, he opens the doors of the house of the Lord. When God speaks, you see, it opens doors for Samuel and for the lives he is going to impact. The doors are open again so the people of God can come to receive revelation and the word of God can go out into the world. The doors are opened on a new day when God speaks. Page four, the urge to ask. You might not be called to the ministry, certainly not be called to be a, a prophet of God, but everyone has a calling. There, that is, there's something God wants you individually, uniquely to do. Maybe you never thought to ask what that might be, in which case I suggest you stop and pray about it. It's amazing how much we assume or we make our own decisions and then expect God to rubber stamp it with his blessing. No. Ask. The first thing is ask. Secondly, watch for doors. Listen for the sound of doors closing. And that's a good thing. Just as it's, it's just as important to know what God does not want you to do as to know what God does want you to do. Thirdly, expect an answer. Expect it, but in an unexpected way. God's never going to answer like you think he's going to, and he's never going to tell you what you think he's going to tell you. If he does, you probably made it up. God is always going to surprise you, and that's how you're, you're going to know it's God, because it's not what you would have told yourself. You might not hear a voice. Then again, you might. God might have been talking to you all along. But like Samuel, you assumed it couldn't possibly be God. But God's patient. 
If you don't hear or understand the first time, he doesn't mind repeating himself a second, a third, (laughs) even a fourth time, as often as needed until his word hits its mark. He does not grow impatient or bitter, at most maybe a little bemused. So keep listening until it's clear. Fourth, take baby steps. God is going to give you a task to do, a word to say. And as you obey and do it or say it, it'll lead to the next one and the next. God never told Samuel he would be a prophet. He simply gave him something to say again and again and again. The calling emerges, well, in hindsight, in retrospect, as you begin to connect the dots of what God has been doing in you and through you. Page five, clearer in the rearview mirror. With that final exactly, It was for me as if a fog lifted and I could see the direction my life should take. For me, he laid it out, at least the first steps, very clearly. College at Stetson University to study religion, then seminary at Princeton, then do a doctorate in New Testament. I knew it. I knew the whole path in that moment. Now, that does not mean that it came easy. It did not come easy, and it took years and years and, yes, years of dedication, application, and just plain hard work. But whenever I began to despair I would ever complete the course, that call kept me pushing, and that voice reassured me. Oh, and one other little funny detail. You know, later, after I had been accepted at the college to which God told me I should apply, that I should have applied at the beginning, I went through my stack of college solicitations before I tossed them in the trash. And I was, I was just, I just got curious, and I'd look at one and And then I'd look at another, and I'd open up the next one, and then every one of them, every one of those letters said, application enclosed. But in fact, none of them remembered to include application forms, not a single one of them, except the specific college that I was told to attend. You see, the truth is almost always out there for those with eyes to see. But in this world, vision can be rare, and it usually takes God to point out to us the obvious. But, you know, he doesn't mind doing it. That's grace. And when you look back on it, you will always be glad you finally listened.
I wish you a very good good morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, we are your people. And though we squirm and resist sometimes, you have a call on each and every one of our lives. We want to know what you want us to do. Help each one of us to understand how we can contribute to the building up of your kingdom and for touching the lives of those around us in unique and highly individual ways. Fill us anew with your Holy Spirit and speak to us your clear direction and calling. We want to do your will, Lord. Please, for Jesus' sake, make sure we do it. We ask it in the name of our Lord.